Welcome to Staffing in Sync, the podcast that brings you live panel discussions featuring the leading experts in the staffing industry and hosted by staffing consultant and trainer, Tom Erb. Staffing in Sync is produced and sponsored by SyncStream Solutions, the top provider of Affordable Care Act compliance for the staffing industry, and Essential Staff Care, the largest provider of health insurance and benefits for the staffing industry. Sit back, relax, and join our expert panelists as we dive into the latest staffing trends, insights, and expert opinions. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Staffing in Sync, the podcast that brings you live panel discussions featuring the leading experts in the staffing industry. My name is Tom Herb, and today on the panel, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, Lauren Jones with Leap Consulting and Richard Rosner, the Staffing Shark. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Lauren, why don't you go ahead and, and kick it off? Absolutely. Well, Tom, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Richard, it's good to see you again. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Lauren Jones. I'm the CEO and founder of Leap Consulting Solutions. Uh, I've been in the industry for 25 years. Leap Consulting is focused on three areas as it pertains to the way that agencies uh, procure technology. We help you build the right tech stack that is data-driven and requirements-driven. We help you with business process change management, and we help with training and adoption. So those are those are really what we focus on, and we have a really good time doing it. And you're multitasking today because you are also babysitting raccoons. I yes, I am also a licensed. My husband and I are both licensed wildlife rehabbers, and this is the time of year where I typically have little creatures crawling all, <laughs> crawling about. Uh, so yes, I've got two two milling about right now um, that are causing all wreaking all sorts of havoc. <laughs> Never well, a awesome. dull Awesome, that's fun. Well, um, thanks for coming. I also I have a copy of your book right here, Lauren. Together we rise. Oh. So, oh my goodness, great, that makes great me book. so happy in my yes, heart. It is. Yeah, and we we've got lots of lots of uh friends on this. So uh great book. Uh so thanks for joining us, Lauren. We've got the Thank staffing you. shark. He actually has a real name. His name's Richard Rosner, but we call him the shark. So shark, tell us about yourself. Oh boy. So I think everybody knows who I am pretty much. What I am is actually the, the staffing influencer. So pretty much from recruiting to sales to you name it, you know, I'm bringing energy to the industry like a beach vibe. And this is a summertime system by time to thrive, but it's all about having fun and making it creative and putting people to work. So what I do is create different channels. I have a great channel here called the Staffing Shark Channel on all platforms. It's actually international now, international keynote speaker. I'm just having fun and making everybody else have fun around me and staffing. I can say right now, it's easy. We just got to get out there and do it. It's easy. Whether Did I just say that, Tom? That's the theme, right? Is that it? The the theme is staffing, staffing is, easy. is easy. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I, well, I would. <clears throat> I might. I might argue that it is simple, but not easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, time out. Yes. Now, if you're in the field every day, it is actually easy. I think one thing, real quick, before we jump in, it is all joking aside, is I actually am out on the streets every day. So I'm a recruiter consultant and still out there. So everything that we talk about today from my end is from the job seekers. So it's the data that I'm hearing from the job seekers. So that's one thing I like about it. It's, you know what, the job seekers, they're there, they want jobs. We just got to help them out. Yeah. And I, and I think that I'm glad you said that because I think that's one of the values that we have with this group is that Shark, you're in it every day. You're also advising other people. Lauren, you're, you're working with staffing firms all day, every day, especially on their technology, which we're going to talk a lot about, which obviously is really important to recruiting. I, I'm consulting and training with staffing companies all the time, traveling all around the country as well. So I think it gives us three different kind of viewpoints of what the staffing industry is. So I think it's I'm excited about today's session. Uh, I also want to say that the shark and I speak at a lot of conferences together, and I always ask if I can go first because I never want to follow him. I, I said... Uh -huh. I said before, he's naturally caffeinated. He doesn't need to drink coffee. So anyways. I've we'll only had two you. cups today, guys. Two okay. cups. Okay, good. Well, yeah, like I said, naturally caffeinated. So <laughs> well, th thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us. So why don't we start off? Let's just talk about what's going on now. Where do you guys think we're at? You know, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of staffing companies that are saying it's slowed down. Are we in a downturn? I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. And of course I have some thoughts too. So either, either one of you. Go ahead, Lauren. 
Uh, well, so look, we all we do also have a research arm, and because I'm a data person, I love data, data, data. I will consume it all day long, eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is um, definitely something that I really enjoy, both professionally and personally, just in, imbibing, right? Um, and when you look at the data, <laughs> right, it, 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 it does, there are indications that we have had a slowdown now, uh, I think, and uh, we actually saw a big slowdown in tech projects specifically. We saw, you know, agencies sort of tightening their belt, putting some projects on hold. We saw that in Q1 and Q2 software had, you know, a bit was, was a bit on the struggle, struggle bus for Q1 and Q2, but now we are seeing this beautiful, um, sort of, uh, activity and investment, um, on the project side, on the candidate side, um, I still think we've got migration going on, right? We still have the concept of quiet quitting and quiet firing and and the great migration and the great retirement. Uh, and so we still have, so I think we have, still have a ton of movement going on. But when you look at the numbers, there are still 6 million jobs open and, and people are looking for work. And I, But I think people are changing the way Heather McGowan at Giggy last year put really good data in front of us that showed us that it, it's really just the focus that has changed. The job is no longer the center of somebody's universe. It's belonging and community. Right. And, right. and I think COVID had a little bit of influence in that, in, in that because we are remote, people want to be a part of something. And so I think people are taking a deeper look at the opportunities that are out there and they're ensuring that they're aligned to them, both, both culturally and from a skills perspective. And we know that 90% of the jobs out there can be taught, right? They're skills-based. Right. And so I think agencies are also taking a, another look at, at upskilling. So you know, I think there's still a ton of opportunity out there. Nothing has stopped in its tracks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we did see, you know, a, a little bit of a slowdown. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Shark. Yeah, I agree. There's a slowdown. But here's what I'm seeing. When there's a slowdown, that's when we have success. Because what I'm seeing on my end is the job seekers are going to staffing firms and recruiting firms. And they're following up. So what I'm doing is when I communicate with them and I'm collaborating with them, they're following up with me over and over again. So I'm putting 95% of my people out there to work because other staffing firms are lacking right now because we hear this on the news all the time that the workers don't want to work. They don't want to work. Trust me, they're coming in the door every day. All they want us to do is communicate with them. I think that's the biggest thing. If I can yeah. say anything out there, don't listen to the news, guys. Don't listen to the news because it'll drive I you down. I stopped watching the news. <laughs> Never. I literally stopped watching because yeah. it just it, it's a toxic thing to look at. So I just can't. <laughs> I always say that we're talking about a recession. I always say if there's a recession, that's when you recruit, you know. So stay away from the recession word. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Ron Hetrick uh, with Lightcast, he wrote the demographic drought. He was on our first podcast beginning of the year. And he said, beware of false prophets. And that's something that's stuck in my in my head is that if you if you start to believe the hype that the news, the news is out there to sell views and and ratings and and, uh, you know, newspapers and magazines, if they still print those. But that, you know, that's what they're going to do. They're going they want you to panic. They want you they want you to think that certain things are happening. Um I think it's an overcorrection. I think that we're in the middle of an overcorrection right now. I think we may be at the end of an overcorrection. And what I mean by it is, is that um, we had all of these open jobs. We had at one point over 12 million open jobs. Yep. We couldn't get um, enough people. There's just not enough people. And we'll talk about that in a, in a minute. So we had all these positions. And then what started happening was all of these non-traditional these companies that traditionally don't use staffing needed help. They couldn't fill the jobs that they normally fill on their own. And so the staffing offices started to get phone calls. And I've been doing this for 29 years. We didn't get phone calls. Nobody was calling in, placing orders out of the blue. But in the last couple of years, because there's been such a shortage, that you're having all of these non-traditional staffing users call into the offices. There's been a lot of direct hire. We've seen more direct hire opportunities than ever. And that has continued to be strong. And then what happened was we started to see this softening that was coming from inflation and, and interest rates and, and uh, all of these other things, not to mention at the end of COVID, you had healthcare pulling back 
You had a lot of these healthcare facilities that were trying to right size their staffing because they were getting squeezed with COVID rates and also with not getting reimbursements at a higher level. And so they were trying to pull things back in house. So we're seeing a lot of companies that, that go, oh, talent, the, the talent pool is softened up a little bit. I'm starting to get more applicants. And so now I think I can back up or now I think I can take the five or six staffing providers I have and consolidate those down to one or two. And so that's what I mean by overcorrection. That's what we've been seeing. It's not that it's gotten hard. It's just that it's gotten back to the way that it's always been. It's always been hard to sell. And for a while there, we got complacent very quickly. And what I always say is 12 months ago, we were saying that, that why would I sell? I got more jobs than I can fill. Mm -hmm. Now people are saying, why would I recruit? I don't have any jobs. And it's happened within really within about nine months, right? We've gone from this. Well, there was no middle ground, right? It like immediately went from recruit, recruit, recruit to sell, sell, sell. And I think we're in the middle of it. We're already seeing it bounce back. I was looking at some data just this morning that was showing that um, healthcare job postings is spiking right now. And that's what I mean by that overcorrection. They said, oh, we're going to take it back in house. And then they go, oops, we, we don't have the resources or the desire to take it back in house. So that, that's where that's where I see things going. 100%. It's, a, it's balancing it out, guys. We have to balance it out. And I think sometimes we just focus on one thing, recruiting, like you said, Tom, and no sales, which I don't call it sales. It's collaboration. I'm going to tell anybody out there, if, if you can get clients. It's so easy to get clients these days. I mean, seriously, if you just talk, all they want you to do is communicate with them, Tom and Lauren. That's all they want you to do. They want that word. They can say, you know what? You send me a candidate. I don't like this candidate. Blank you. Give me something else. We have to break that barrier. And I think that's something that we're not breaking yet. We're still scared of HR. People scared of saying the word no. Correct me or not. Yeah. People hate the word no. I love the word no. That means I need to do better. Well, and I think it's more than ever. Um, we need to be consultative with our clients because we talk about this overcorrection and we already are seeing our clients are going, oh, well, you should be able to find me candidates easier now because we're going into a downturn. We're going into a recession. We're getting more applications. You know, they're, And now they're already turning back into those bad behaviors of taking two weeks to get back on a submission. Uh, so uh, absolutely, I think that um, I, I think it's an opportunity to be collaborative. The data is still behind. Well, the data is still behind. We are in the you know biggest skills shortage since World War II. The data is behind that, you know, for right. uh, yeah. from a pilot's, from an engineering, from a nursing perspective, these highly skilled physicians, we are in we're in a severe deficit. And, and so that is going to take some some correction, and that is going to take some work to make sure that that we can continue to put nurses to work. I mean, and we and post COVID, we saw thirty percent of nurses leave the occupation altogether, uh, going to you know. Um, uh, going to completely different sort of verticals of, of service, whether it was, you know, uh, healthcare consulting for insurance. We also saw them go to cosmetic. You know, we saw nurses just leave traditional nursing altogether post-pandemic. So, oh, yeah. you know, there there is going to be some right of the ship from a skills perspective that we're going to need to invest in. And I think it's happening right now, guys. We see what the universities is happening with the universities. A lot of people's not going to college now. They're going to trade schools. So in the next couple of years, I think the skill set's going to go right back up to normal. Well, we need people to go to trade schools. We, yes. We need, yeah, you know, the, trade, the, trades are having a real bad time. That's where it's yeah, at. And we've got a, you know, that's an area where it is rapidly aging. Uh, healthcare is another one. We were, we were expecting a shortage of nurses anyways, just because of the aging workforce of nurses. But then on top of that, because of COVID and burnout and all those different things, uh, that's accelerated that even more. You know, that we're seeing um, 3 million baby boomers a year retire, 3 million plus. And that that has been accelerating and then we don't have the people to replace it. So, you know, just from a, from a supply and demand standpoint, we're going to have a much greater demand for the rest of our careers and the rest of anybody who's listening to this, whether you're, 22 years and just starting your career or your 60 years, you, for the rest of our careers, there's going to be a shortage of talent. 
And so mm-hmm. that's a great opportunity, I think, for staffing. I've been doing this a long time. I'd much rather be in a high demand environment uh, than a high supply <laughs> environment. Amen. Uh, yeah. I've been 100%. doing this a long time too. <laughs> right. And you know me, what's great about it? These companies are calling me out of the blue that never used staffing before, guys. You know, like in the last 20 years, never used staffing, but now they're using us because they can't do it on their own. But it's also become an educational sale with them, which we haven't had to deal with before, right? You're right. And so in a lot of cases, they they have sticker shock when they see the pricing, even though it makes sense, if you know what it is. Um, they have, uh, in many cases, unrealistic expectations that all of a sudden we're going to just magically have 10 candidates to them when they couldn't find anybody. So th- there's a downside to that too. But but you're right, there are there are... I think the COVID and the talent shortage has opened up different industries, different positions um, to staffing and recruiting. Plus, we have to say job boards keep going up in price. Don't want to bash it, but you know what I mean? They have to <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, you know, you bash it all you want because I, I'm just not a proponent. Okay, okay so I, I will I, say this. <laughs> job boards like a surfboard, guys. It's only for 15 seconds. <laughs> it's expensive. But I, I, I do think we have to keep in mind the generational workforce, right? You know, we do have the great retirement happen, happening. We've got 75% of our workers are going to be millennials. We've got Gen Z coming in here. That is going to change the dynamic into how we interact with, with our clients because our clients are have now, that landscape has changed. It's a different generation in the order seat, which means we're going to, you know, and Bullhorn put out a, a great, in the grid survey, you know, 64% during it, 64% of firms during slower times are double doubling down on technology. Why? Because they recognize that that generational workforce is changing and uh, we're going to have to change with it. We are going to have to modify the way that we do things and probably add more technology to the landscape. Yeah, I totally agree. Let me pause for a second here. Let everybody that's on the podcast know that we have a Q&A section. If you want to ask questions to us, we'll be monitoring the Q&A as we're going along. So feel free to, to ask your questions. Uh, and uh, right now we don't have any, but I wanted to open that up so that we start to get some of those pick our questions. Brain. That's what we're yeah. here for. Yeah, pick, pick our brains. Uh, so I wanted to go back to the last point that Lauren made, which is how recruiting is changing and would like to get your thoughts on what you're seeing as far as how the recruiting position has changed, is Mm -hmm. changing, what people should be doing to adapt to that. And Lauren, you were starting to talk about technology and that we want to maybe talk a little bit about how recruiting is changing. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, I look, I have always looked at technology probably a little bit differently. I think, you know, when, um, if you look at the metadata, so you look at big data and just, you know, I know we're going to talk about AI, but AI is changing the landscape right now, but even uh, technology enablement through auto- tools like automation and texting and, and those types of things have really superpowered um, recruiters, allow them to do more with less. And so I think recruiters that have embraced the ch- change and not resisted it are the ones that are in front, the ones that are in front, um, uh, you know, uh, making more fills, making quota, exceeding quota, because they know that technology is not competition, it is enablement. And when you can learn, and that's why you see all of these jobs right now for prompt writers, right? AI prompt writers. I think it's fascinating to see, you know, we were so fearful that AI was going to take all of these jobs. And yet, Happening. We see all of these AI prompt writing job jobs being created so that you know we can learn how to use these tools in meaningful ways. I think those recruiters that embrace tools like AI automation and learn how to use them to their benefit are going to be the ones that continue to thrive in this environment. Technology is just not competition. But I will say this, you look at all of the metadata, there was a 9,000% increase in the search of open AI, the, the, the term open AI. But when we uh, looked at or asked recruiters, um, 64% of recruiters were really excited about AI. But when you start having conversations with them and you look at um, 
tools like Answer the Public and what they're actually searching on, it's terms like AI is going to replace my job in recruiting. A AI is taking over recruiting, right? Why is there this co conflict between being excited about technology and yet searching on uh, and asking questions about it potentially taking their job. So we have a job as leaders and influencers in the space to help them see the opportunity before them uh, with these tools of enablement. Well, anything, anything that changes is negative. You know that anything we, we have to change, it's going to be negative. Seriously, on my end on that thing is I love AI. But we have to get the person to buy into that AI, like Lauren said. And, and that starts with recruiting. I mean, that's sitting them down there, talking about their behaviors and see how they can add. I mean, the AI is coming so quick, guys. It's coming to us. At, I mean, what? ChatGPT has been around for, what, at least seven months? And it's like, I mean, it's like there's something new every week. So just think the recruiter, what's going on in their head. They're like, oh, I got to do this, this, and this. So I think we have to sit back and, and start from the beginning. I mean, the human connection is never going to go away. We always talk about that. But AI is a supplement. It's a protein supplement. I say that all the time. So the attitude, don't be scared. Do it. But take it in baby steps. We can't just throw everything at them at once. So is AI going to replace recruiters? Never. No. Never. Absolutely never. not. Never. The human connection will be there, guys, because with Gen Zs, after putting 100 people, Gen Zs together last year, 85% of them I talked to said they love that human connection. They want to meet with me. They want a fist pump. They want a handshake. So where's the AI at? You know, people say it's there, but they still want that human connection. It's a combo of both. Do you agree, Lauren? Uh, it, yeah. And I, I, you know, when, again, data, right? 72% of, of uh, candidates uh, say that technology is a meaningful part mm -hmm. of the recruiting process. So they are expecting technology to be a part of how they interact with human beings and how they go through a process. But here's another one. 70% of candidates will walk away from a promising opportunity because it took too long. So what you're seeing and what recruiters have to learn is that candidates don't want to wait. And if they have to wait, they're going to go someplace else. And so how can you leverage these tools to create the most streamlined, quick experience from, and, and I don't think it's any longer view to apply. I think it's view to check. And, and that's the metric we now have to start measuring is how quickly can we help our candidates view a job or view an opportunity and get paid for that opportunity. I Once agree to a point with that, that. I think we don't want to go too quick or we jam them into a position. I think a lot of recruiters, sometimes they say, I just got to get Canada, 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 job, job, job. And guess what? They don't even ask them if they want that job. They force them into, especially in contract work and labor work. We can't do that anymore. We got to, we got to ask them basically, Hey, do you really want this job? I mean, I want them to say they don't want it. You know what I mean? So you can go move on to the next one. I know we all want it. It's quick, quick, quick. On my experience with the candidates, they rather work with somebody. It's communicating with them over and over again. They're like, shark, help me out. I'm going to not go with the other staffing firms because I believe in you. I built that trust. If you have 20 or 30 people like that a month, there yeah. goes the quickness out the door and it's about them being comfortable with you and that trust. That's what I always say. It's about trust. Well, I think you got to, if you flip, if you flip the way as a recruiter, if you flip the way that you look at your job and if we really focus on being candidate driven, because we have, we have more demand then we have supply. And I know right now it, a lot of people are going, okay, I don't have that many orders right now, or I don't have any orders, or I have less orders. I, I get that. But long-term, we have more demand that we're going to continue to have more demand than we're going to have supply. We're going to start getting, and we're already seeing it coming back. Um, mm -hmm. So if the, if the real value is on the supply side, then we need to be more candidate centric. We need to be focused rather than, and I started out in the industry and it was fill this job, go out and find somebody to fill this job. And that's how it usually is, right? What it needs to be is I need to find good candidates and put them in the right types of jobs. 
Take the wreck off the table. That's exactly. Here's what used happens. To say that to my recruiter. Take take the wreck off the table. Have a conversation with somebody. Right. AI and and matching tools can help us um, in a really expeditious way make better matches. Right. We can look yeah. at that and and have a point of validation. But it's really that that conversation, that match conversation, where we explore what somebody really wants and. I don't care what vertical you're in. It can be done across verticals. Having a conversation with somebody is going to be far more meaningful um, once you find the right match. Exactly. And when you have a person in contract, if they like you a lot, they're going to stay with you the whole lifetime. I've got exactly. workers that work with me for eight years yeah. and they want, and other staffing firms blow them up. They're like, dude, I'm true to you. You're true to me. And I think that's part that we have to get back to. And so many people, they're all about just putting people out there and we got to stop that. You know, us being consultants, we got to tell the recruiter it's okay. That KPI, I hate to say that guys, but the KPI word, I hate that word. I like to call it RMI, like body mass index, recruiter mass index. It's about, you know, having lean muscle. Well, I love KPIs and that's a whole other session. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I love KPIs. Don't take my <laughs> metrics. Not, matter, not that right? word guys, RMI. Uh, no, that's no. It's a it's a different way of looking at it. I get yeah. that. Uh, you know, it, if going back to the whole is is AI going to replace recruiters? Because Lauren, you you brought up a good point, which is that over sixty percent of recruiters are excited about it, but then they're also scared about it. Well, it's because they're excited about it during the day, and then they go home and watch the news, and news says you're going to get right. replaced. That all, you know, AI is going to replace ninety percent of the positions out there, and crazy things like that. What I what I firmly believe is that if as a recruiter, your activities are processing applicants, uh, submitting applicants, rewriting resumes, uh, doing putting out job postings, those types of things, all of that stuff is stuff that AI can do. If your job as a recruiter, your approach to a recruiter is building networks building pools of talent, building relationships, keeping people on assignment, all the things that Richard, you were just talking about, then you're going to have a job forever. AI is just going to, to basically enable you to, to grow, to be able to scale. Exactly. Uh, so I do think that we have a fundamental change that needs to happen in our industry because when I go into staffing offices, most recruiters are processing. Most recruiters are not really recruiting. And that's regardless of the vertical. I, I've seen it across industrial, clerical, uh, you know, healthcare, IT, all the different types of niches is that a majority of our industry processes and we process applicants from job boards. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. That can be replaced by AI. It's already being replaced by AI. So where the real fundamental part is being able to have a conversation with somebody and say, what is it that you want to do? Where is it that you would excel? Where is where would you be happy? Because if I can put you in a job that you're going to be happier and you're going to stay longer, We're, our retention's better. And so that's a benefit to everybody involved. So I, I do think that that's kind of where we're shifting. I don't think that AI is going to replace recruiters, but I do think it's going to re replace a lot of the just processing functions that our industry has. But that's a good thing. It's, it, we don't it. need it. Exactly. And I think our terminology too, guys, I always say, I don't recruit, I represent you. The way we present that to the candidate is hundred percent, man. They, yeah. they, they need that. Uh, I got a, got a couple of, one, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say one thing that you said on the resume side, and, and this is like just my blanket statement to recruiters out there. Stop rewriting resumes. Right. Stop. And, and, and let me tell you why the, the, well, first of all, let's let's get down to the core problem. The resume was invented in 1482 and the fact that we're still leveraging it as a piece of paper to, to determine a job is awful. So I'm just going to yeah. put my blanket belief out there that we should just burn them at the, burn them. <laughs> um, but <laughs> a resume is a CV. CV is curriculum vitae. It's course of life. It's their course of life, not yours. To rewrite their history is unfair and a misrepresentation of their course of life. Now, AI can be leveraged to remove some spelling errors, maybe some grammatical errors, actually remove any sort of ageism or gender indicators that might be on there. AI can do a brilliant job at helping you clean stuff up 
but do not write somebody, rewrite somebody else's course of life because you want to jam it into a job description. That's what a submittal is for. Exactly. And if I'm going to take it another step, what do we need a resume anymore for? Video resumes, my friends, two minutes. <laughs> the hiring manager sees it. It's like American Idol. They get to see what they're about, their character, their voice, everything. Go for it. Two minutes, boom, it's done. Who's going to read anymore? Do we really read? Do you think hiring managers read over and over resumes? Hell no, okay. they're not. Oh, well, let me just tell you, the data is not behind you, Richard. I was floored because I don't think I've ever read a cover letter in my career. And yet 84% of HR managers read cover letters, not the ones which I'm, okay. I, I not the ones literally I'm fell with. out of my chair. Not the ones I'm Literally dealing with. I, I got to say this. Okay, so this is great. So we got it both ways. So on my end, they rather see bullet points because I represent them. So if they trust me, the hiring manager, guess what? Five bullet points of why you should hire that person. That's where it comes in when we got connection with them. Do you guys agree? Well, I think that's all, that is something where you can also take AI like like ChatGPT and say, take take this resume and turn it into a sum, an anonymized summary. And, and have them actually have it come back to you rather than going through that process of doing it. And then, it, it, you know, one of the things I always say about ChatGPT, I use it all the time and other, other AI tools. Um, we don't want to just take it, copy and paste it. It, it helps us formulate mm -hmm. different things and gives us a basis, but you still have to go through and, and adjust it and put your own. I mean, that's part of what your skill is uh, as a recruiter. So you go through and you do that. The other, the other thing you can do with, uh, with ChatGPT that I found extremely effective is take your old boring job descriptions, job old boring job postings that are all job centric and and employer centric, put it into ChatGPT and say change this around so that it's appealing to a candidate, and then have it come back and you can regenerate and do it a couple of times. You know, make it more exciting, make it make it more succinct, all that until you get to where you want to. We're seeing already better job postings yep. that are going out uh, and it makes a huge difference. We've gone from, okay, I'm copying and pasting a bland job description and which is basically a wish list of what we want in a candidate driven market. And instead we're turning it and trying to make it a marketing piece to bring in the candidates that we really want. So, that, you know, those are a couple of ways that we use chat GPT all the time. Yeah. I well, I was going to say 100% on the on the job descriptions and because, you know, again, data, you know, I love data. 98% <laughs> of job postings are written with masculine bias. Uh, ChatGPT, Bard, I'm a Bard fan, uh, not a ChatGPT yep. fan. I'm, I'm a huge Bard fan and feel like it knows be better. Um, but you, we can remove bias from a job description. We can, uh, 56% of the job uh, postings out there are written uh, beyond the prescribed length, can help shorten them up. And then the average job posting is six and a half years old, which means we just love to regurgitate old garbage. So, yeah. so yeah, to your point of reinvigorating a, a job posting, but remove the bias, uh, make it shorter. People just want be brief, be bright, be gone when they're looking for, for jobs. They want to determine, you know, am I, am I very quickly the right person for this? Exactly. Um, and I think and some, something we have to elaborate on is you got to put the phone number, text, labor, phone number, got to be in your job description all the time, that text, the phone number in the top and at the bottom. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with Lauren. Some of these job descriptions are so about, do you have good character? Will you show up for work? We don't need that BS. That's for the interview. You know, you, right, you jumble right. so much up that nobody can even read. One thing I want to throw out there, you guys, I love ChatGPT. I love it too. Did you guys ever check out AIPRM? If you guys get a chance, audience no. out there, AIPRM, it's supercharged to ChatGPT. It's amazing. So check it out, AIPRM. So I want to pause there for a second. I knew we wouldn't have trouble filling up the hour. Yeah, we got lots of questions. I was <laughs> uh -oh. just looking at this. <laughs> well, we have a lot of questions, which is great. So let's let's jump into some questions. I do want, I want to go to Jeannie's because hers is relevant to what we just talked about. So let's just finish that piece off. She's asking about chat. I, I think it's chat question, question, question to revise job descriptions. And then I, I'd like for, for Lauren to talk a little bit more about the difference between BARD and ChatGPT. Yeah. So for, for anybody that's not familiar with ChatGPT and some of these other AI tools, uh, it, it, it's an artificial intelligence tool that you can literally go to. Um, you know, you can you can uh, Google Chat GPT 
You can go to the website. It has a free version that is very robust. Most people don't need any more than the free version as long as it's available because it does have capacity limits. But what it basically does is it has had the pretty much the entire internet, give or take, up until I think September of 2021, loaded into it and it has learned all of this. So it, what you're doing is you can ask it questions or you can ask it to do uh, certain things like revised job descriptions, like revised resumes. Um, you know, a lot of times if you struggle, a lot of people struggle with communication, particularly email communication or, or writing a letter or writing something, you know, marketing piece or, or social media. You can actually put your thoughts together and say, create, create a quick email that is professional but engaging. You can give it like different types of sentiment that it can do. And then if you don't like it, you, you can hit regenerate and it'll come up with another one. Or you can give it additional prompts that, that will ask it to go into more detail. In a lot of cases, think of it being like an assistant or somebody who's doing a job for you and you're giving them direction on how to do something. And as they come back, you're giving them more feedback on how to correct it. That's where the whole machine learning comes in. It's, it's listening to your prompts and it's getting better. So uh, Lauren, did I say that correctly as the, as the tech person on here? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, look, there's a ton of AI out there. Uh, I tend, you know, and I've worked in all three of them, Copilot, the primaries, Copilot, Bard, and, and OpenAI or ChatGPT. I have ChatGPT 4.0 and 3.5. 3.5 is the free version. 4.0 is $20 a month. The difference for that was really availability um, and um, and and then the whole 2021 uh, component. So chat, OpenAI or ChatGPT originally only went up to 2021. When you got 4.0, it was then sort of opening up to all the current information. But I find Bard. So when you look at the the way the the ways in which these uh, AI um, tools have gone about doing it. I, I do believe through Google's uh, number of agreements uh, and the number of lawsuits that OpenAI has right now for um, uh, copyright infringement, uh, getting behind paywalls and getting data. Uh, I think OpenAI is going to have a, a moment, uh, <laughs> a pause maybe, but but I've really enjoyed Bard. Um, Bard gets smarter faster is what I've found. Um, and you can do things like try that again, only add X, Y, or Z. And instead of regenerate, you can say, you can, you know, uh, give it a, a sort of a compound prompt is what we call it. Uh, and, and Bard is really quick to pick up on things that you continually ask and the way you ask those things. And so anywhere from generating submittals, being able to put a job description and a resume in there, it's a brilliant way to be able to, um, I mean, submittals used to take my recruiters, if they were any good, 45 minutes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and so they're time consuming, particularly on the professional services side. So having AI to help you do that, having AI help you rewrite these job descriptions and give them, you know, very exacting parameters in the prompt to, to get the, the job description the way that you want to look at it. It will help you with sell sheets. So um, to, to Richard's point, recruiters are also salespeople. They're selling these jobs. They're, they want to make them attractive. Uh, ask Bard, give me the top three reasons somebody would want to work at X, Y, or Z company. And there's your sell sheet to a potential candidate. You don't have to go reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go, you know, look it up in a million places. You've, you've got it right there. And um, so there are a number of ways you can leverage this. We do happen to have a course. I have to plug that, I have to plug that in there, but um, it, on how to leverage these things re responsibly. It is also wildly impactful for summarizing data. Um, and, and I'll give you a quick, Quick example for the podcast every year, we have a um, uh, predictions episode that we do in January, and it's gotten more and more popular, and we've gotten more and more insights from leaders. This year, um, we happen to get 12 pages of responses. I loaded all 12 pages of those responses into chat, chat GPT at the time and said, give me the um, top 10 uh, you know, trends that you see in this data. We ended that ended up being our episode. I mean, it's wildly impactful in saving yes. time and giving you direction and creating form and functionality uh, when you just sometimes don't know where to start. I I was thinking about this 
leading up to the podcast today. And the best way I would equate ChatGPT is it's it's like the new calculator. Like before calculators, <laughs> people were doing long division. Mm -hmm. uh, it is it is like the word processor where you've gone you're going from a typewriter that you have to get out the the white out and correct your mistakes and all this to a word process processor where you can hit the back button and redo it. It's that to me, it's that transformation. I may be understating it actually, but at this point, that's the way it is. It, it is all about making our lives at this point, it's making our lives easier. It's about saving time. It's about being more efficient. It's a different way of doing things. And what I would say for anybody that's on the call going, geez, I don't know about all this AI or boy, it sounds hard or whatever. Get onto one of these chat GPT barred. Bing AI is another one to really take a look at too, because it's part of Microsoft and they're in the process of integrating all that into all the different Microsoft process uh, process or uh, products. Uh, but just get in there and start to play around with it and just try. And what I had found was that, I started to play around with it. And then I was like, well, what else can I do with this? Well, what if I tried yeah. to do this with it? What if I, and, and then all of a sudden it's something that I have up all day long, just like I have my, my uh, outlook open. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And, so, and Microsoft I'm particularly excited about. I signed up for the beta in Excel and I yeah. literally hit the AI button. It makes pivot tables, charts. Like, I, I mean, all of the things that yes. I tediously would have had to go in and, and, and do uh, myself, it, it's yeah. taking care of. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The time well, saves. Well, now we're seeing um, like Canva, which a lot of people use to make presentations and different things. Well, now it has an AI component that, that is just fantastic. It literally makes the presentations for you. Um, so there's all sorts of different things, and we're just uh, hitting the tip of the iceberg on that. I want to keep going on to some other questions here. Um, so um, let's see here. Uh, interesting remarks about supply and demand imbalance. Another significant factor I observed in the industry was the exceptional amount of government stimulus payments like PPP and ERC that, that um, really had a huge impact on the staffing industry. Uh, with those programs ending, how do you see industry liquidity impacting companies going forward? Boy, what a good question that is. Anybody want to take a stab at that? I have oh, my thoughts, but. I mean, they, go ahead, Lauren, you go first. I don't know how I feel about this, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I do think it's going to have an impact, but those who did it right will have leveraged that money in a meaningful way to sustain the business uh, and 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 whilst continuing to uh, expand the business. Uh, I, I think it's all about utilization of those funds uh, and the activities that you uh, simultaneously did you know, while you were um, taking on those additional funds. Now, from a candidate perspective for those you know, stimulus payouts, et cetera, um, it certainly has created a sense of urgency. Uh, once those, I saw a sense of urgency in the candidate base once those payments uh, um, were uh, uh, being terminated, um, which uh, you know I, I think is is only only helpful. Uh, but yeah. on the yeah on the business side, ooh, I think it's about all it's all about what you did with it. Exactly right. I've seen some companies that actually just spend it on other stuff that you know they're like pretty much going bankrupt now. So I think it's one of the things where it's going to take another year to see what happens. I so I. Um... I'm big on analogies. And when we talk about downturns, I think of the analogy of the Tour de France. Okay. When, when they're on flat ground, everybody's all bunched up together. You, you mm -hmm. don't know the best ones from the worst ones, right? When they start to go up a mountain, that's when the best ones separate themselves from the pack. That's what I see in a downturn. However, PPP and ERC helped people stay closer. And it was because normally when you're going through that type, and of course it's unprecedented what we went through at the time that resulted in PPP and ERC with the pandemic. But when you do go through a downturn, there are companies that perform well and there are companies that struggle more. And I do think that it, mm -hmm. it, it buoyed the industry in general up more than it normally would have. You would have had more fall off. And so I think that as 
as that is going away, as that's being exhausted, just the same as it is with individuals getting their own different types of, of financial incentives that have run their course. You're seeing those people go back in the workforce. Well, now you're seeing people that are running out of that money and they they have to go back to fundamentals. I think it, in some cases, it it provided a little bit, it certainly provided a safety net and in some cases, mm-hmm. maybe too much of a safety net. So I, th- I think that um, it, it will now start to stabilize and be more of that going up a mountain here as we as we go through some uh, some adversity. Exactly. We saw an economist speak at TechServe uh, this last year, Alan, and which I'm sure you follow, um, uh, Tom. Uh, and I thought he was so spot on when it came to you know this this immersion or you know this this influence of of funding. It is still about spend management. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, how much you have coming in, it is still going to come down to um, spend management. um, And, you know, how are you capitalizing this over the long term, you know, and not doing things differently. I I, I thought he, his, his take on it was really buckling down on spend management. Don't even pretend like you don't even have that money, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary um, and, and grow your business accordingly. I do think you're right. It did level the playing field a a little bit. I, I, which I think is for those that were able to skyrocket when other, they may, may uh, have not otherwise been able to do so. I just think it was an opportunity much like on the technology side, you know, I look at it like real estate. I look at technology like real estate, right? When the ones who are coming out and buying all the things when the housing market is down, you know, are the ones that that thrive post that housing downturn. But you've got to have the capital in order to do that. You have to be prepared for that housing downturn to go and make all of those those investments and come out the the sort of real estate winner. I, I look at look at it the same way. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, a couple of questions here. Here's a really easy one. Will this recording be available following our time together? Yes, this is usually posted about a week later. It's a podcast and it'll be on uh, staffingandsync.com, but it'll also be on uh, all the different podcasts as well. Uh, that was the easy one. Uh, what is the best sourcing tool that you have found that operates utilizing AI? Mm. Oh. Well, you've got tools like Panda Logic that does programmatic job distribution, leveraging AI to get more and more intelligent about where your jobs are performing. I'm a huge fan of programmatic. It takes the the job board vendor management component away from you, puts it in their hands to consolidate all of that. So if you're, um, which I think is brilliant, right? Managing job board vendors has always been sort of the bane. And um, so I love seeing programmatic tools uh, out there like that, that can make our jobs easier from a vendor management perspective, but leverage good technology to ensure when your jobs are seen, they're seen by the wrong audience. That and spend management. We in our industry have traditionally always overspent on job postings. We think more is better, Um, but- Think responsibly. If you have 25 openings and you get a thousand responses, you now have a responsibility to respond to the 9,975 people that you didn't need for that job. You only needed 25, or maybe you needed to look at double the amount, but you still have a huge, you've now put a huge burden on your recruiting team um, to, to respond to people that you didn't need. And programmatic can allow you to turn on and off to ensure that you don't have this reputation management issue also on your hands just by posting a job where you just weren't thinking and you thought more was better. More is not better. Yeah. Quality is better is better. Exactly. And I'm going to take it to another level. People GPT, if you get a chance for LinkedIn, I'm sure Laura knows that. Incredible. To, this, to get all the candidates you need. I mean, it organizes everything there. Speak AI and Blaze AI is another couple. I think one thing when we talk about AI, we never talk about social media. 85%, 90% of the Staffing Sharks business is through Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all that stuff. You guys got to use that. That's AI. I think so many times we get caught up in chat GPT all the time. My friends, all the social media platforms, that's AI. Use it. It's yeah. there. So, um Henry asks, can we provide the contact information for the programs that we spoke about? We've been talking about a lot of stuff on here. So I think what we can do is go summarize and maybe have, I, I can get you uh, hyperlinks to the different ones we talked. We'll have to go back because I don't even remember all the ones we just talked about. 
Um, and I'm going to name off a couple others, but I want to go back first because you went through it fast, Shark. Tell, tell them more about Speak AI and some of the ones you just There's talked about. Blaze AI. And it's almost it's the same thing. Brings everything together, marketing channel, and one, one solution. Perfect. I love that one. Um, the People GPT, it's LinkedIn all the time. So it organizes everything you need there. It's, it's incredible too. So these are just certain ones that you need. You don't need them all, but use what you do. If you're going to be professional, use people GPT, of course. I think, you know, and there's so many other AIs too. We can go through the list there. I'm sure me and Lauren can break that down for you. I mean, I've been studying this over oh and over. Oh my God, the next Jasper, semester. Otter, Synthesia. There's a million of them. I mean, my so, God, there's a million of them. So ChatGPT is not your own savior. I think we just say that ChatGPT, it's like Burger King. That's all it is. There's more out there. There's so much more yeah. out there, you know, and we'll educate you on it. It takes time, but you don't need them all. Just get a couple. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, it's helpful. And just uh, I'll add a couple that are, that I see that are, are popular and gaining in popularity uh, is Converse AI, uh, where you're talking about audio, oh, yeah. audio chat that's integrated into ATSs. You know, you've got mm -hmm. uh, Aria by Leo Force was one of the early ones uh, where it is, uh, 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 where it is able to go out and source uh, and is able to get better at sourcing data frenzies. Another one that actually has has both. Um, so there there are a lot of them out there, and there are more and more on the horizon. Um, it, it's it is an overwhelming thing. It could be its own podcast. By the way, we do have a technology podcast in a couple of months, but but uh, there are so many different ones that are out there. We have less than ten minutes. Uh, this has gone fast. Uh, oh, I would love to take this last question. <clears throat> how often should we be reviewing our tech stack? What's a good interval of time to measure whether or not something is effective? Go ahead, Lauren. Oh, my goodness. Go okay, ahead. so we do this biannually with our customers. So we are usually on, you know, went for our advisory customers where we're, you know, like a part of the team or their IT department. Um, we do this twice a year. We do it in January and we do it in June. Um, and uh, this allows us to set the roadmap for the year and then check in six months later to see where we are. If you're piloting something, I think it's really hard to see value if you do anything less than 90 days. And, and most software companies, I think I sit on uh, seven or eight advisory boards for uh, for software, you know, would, uh, would agree. We want to be able to demonstrate value in that 90 day period. Um, I, I usually will advise software companies, you know, try and make that pilot a fixed pricing pilot so that, you know, we can ebb and flow with it. We don't have any surprises and we can just determine what is the value. And then finally, what, what, when we're doing a tech stack review, you need to look at a couple, you need to look at a few things. We look at, um, what percentage is weighted in a certain category of tool, right? So are you way, are you just way out of whack in, uh, you know, job, uh, job board or job distribution technologies? Are you way out of whack in a specific category? We want a little bit of equality. Um, so we want to look at category. We want to look at spend we also want to compare that to spend by industry. So are you on track? So for example, in commercial business for mid-sized companies, we look at spend from 1.4 to 2.7% dependent upon size. So is your technology investment, the percentage to revenue that you're spending on technology in line with your competitors? Or are you ignoring you know, some opportunity to invest in your organization? And then, um, and then we look at uh, an innovation roadmap. So where do you want to create some differentiators in the future? What are some of the BHAGs within the organization? And then how can we build out a, a roadmap? And then finally, all of your vendors should be on a report card. They should be able to demonstrate ROI. This is not something that you should track. This is something you should be asking your vendor for. What metric do you move? And what... When they tell you what metric they move, we want them to be able to report that back to us monthly or quarterly, again, dependent upon your size. So managing your vendors regularly, ensuring that you're in the black with them every month and they're returning the investment that you're making. I like to see all of, you know, 
the first year of spend with a new vendor, you, you will be in the red. You know, you're going to spend more than you make more often than not. But once you're past that first year or at, at the very least the first six months, you should be able to see the metric that that tool is using come back to the organization in a meaningful way financially, and you should be able to track it. And, and so that that's what we look at when we're looking at a tech, tech stack review, and we do that twice a year for our customers. Yep. Right. I like that. And I'm going to speak for the owners here in a tech stack. I think you need to grow slowly. You know, I think three things to start off with is all you need. And you go from there and build that engine. You don't need all this. And I've seen staffing firms that I work with that has like seven different things that are tech stack. And they're just getting crushed by all the numbers because they went in with a different consultant. And at the end of the day, Lauren's great at this. She knows that she's going to evaluate it. But there is people out there that will throw everything at you. Be cautious. Reach out to people that care. You know what I mean? And then if you guys ever want to, I have it, Tom, I'm going to throw this out there, Ocean of Opportunities. I'm working with a lot of tech companies there. They get discounts and stuff like that. So I'm putting my name on this, that for small businesses, these are the tech stacks that you might need, you know? So don't, at the end of the day, check around. I think that's the biggest thing. Check around and ask. Absolutely. Second opinions are great. Great advice. Uh, we have just got a couple of minutes left. So I'm going to finish this off by asking uh, all of us, um, what's your best bit of recruiting advice that people can take away from this session? Go ahead, Richard. Alrighty. I guess first is, you know, don't give up and be creative. Something real quick that I do now, it's called pop-up job bars. You know, there's pop-up bars everywhere. Pop-up job bars, set up a tent everywhere. I go on site all the time. I think at the end of the day in recruiting, there's so much coming at us, but you got to be creative. The whole thing is getting out there in a community too. AI's there, you know, community's there. You got to put it all together as a combo. So at the end of the day, it's about being yourself and don't get overburned or, you know, over, you know, just, how do I even say it? Just, you know. Whelmed. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, yeah. You just want to be yourself and, and, and recruit, 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 you know, and take some time for yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. Take some time for yourself and sit back and relax. Great. Lauren? Yeah. So um, I would say for recruiters specifically, be the Pied Piper of, you know, of, of, a, of a vertical, right? People, branding is everything, inclusive of personal branding. I've, I've learned this firsthand. And, and we know that digital marketing as a core competency, both internally and externally, are difference makers for individual contributors and businesses. So being able to say, I am the expert in IT and engineering, or I am the expert of Java developers, whatever that is going to be, be the expert, tell everybody you're the expert and the candidates will, like it is one of those things, if you build it, they will come. And, and so my advice is, is get your personal brand in, in line as a recruiter and, and shout it to the, to the rooftops. And secondarily, and I think most importantly, is do not be change adverse. If you are change adverse, you will suffer in this world. Um, and just because technology, I mean, we went five and a half years ago, we were at about $5 billion in VC funding for HR tech, work tech, work tech staffing tech. We're at over $18 billion in VC funding for, for all of this. So there's a ton of noise out there, um, but your businesses that are supporting you are going to be investing in technology. If you are change uh, adverse, it, it is going to be difficult for you. And so I would just say, you know, just know that it, it, it change is like death and taxes. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Be different. And, I, and I would, I would just add <clears throat> just my thoughts is that, um, you know, think about is, you know, is recruiting for me a job or a profession? Yeah. And it's a lifestyle, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably more of a profession because you're taking the time to learn. Uh, you know, make it a profession. It's a great profession. Uh, it We talk about is AI going to replace recruiters? It's going to replace the recruiters that look at this as a job. It's not going to replace the recruiters that consider this a profession and a vocation. So that's what I would really look at. It's just always be getting better. Don't, don't rely on others to make you better. If you're, if you're uh, a company that you're working for is providing you with all sorts of training, that's fantastic, but don't just depend on them. You know, take it among yourself, get certified, but go beyond that. Practice, train, uh, absorb as much, and then 
change is coming so fast to this industry. We're seeing, I mean, we're just seeing what AI has done in the last really six months. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's been coming for a while, but even just what it's done in the last six months has been transformative. Our, our industry continues to change rapid. We need to pay attention to that. So, um, well, thank you. I, uh, I knew this would be a lively conversation. It was great. Great to have both of you. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you so, you so much, much. Shark. Uh, and I'm going to just wrap it up here. So uh, if you missed any of our past episodes or want to revisit them, you can find recordings of our discussions on popular podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can sign up for the next Staffing in Sync, which is going to be in September. It's going to be on technology. So we'll continue to have this, uh, as well as access to a video library of all of our past sessions, including this one on the website staffinginsync.com. Staffing in Sync is produced and sponsored by the Sync by SyncStream Solutions, the top provider of Affordable Care Act compliance for the staffing industry, and Essential Staff Care, the largest provider of health care, health insurance and benefits for the staffing industry. Thank you to both of them. Thank you again for your support, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Staffing in Sync. We hope you found our discussion insightful and informative. If you missed any of our past episodes or want to revisit them, you can find recordings of our discussions on popular podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website. To stay up to date on the latest trends and insights in the staffing industry, be sure to sign up for our next live panel cast discussion. You can find all the details and sign up on our website at staffinginsync.com. Thank you again for your support, and we look forward to having you join us again soon on Staffing in Sync.